0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Draft Acts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network do you believe? This is your host, Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we continue our draft-focused conference previews with the back half of the SEC, starting with a couple programs from the state of Mississippi. But before all that, Tony, how's your first week at Pro Football Network?
0: So far, so good. I mean, the stories, the scouting stories from the SEC are going up slowly. I know a lot of people were uh, were frantic because they can't find some of the uh, older scouting reports or the scattering reports from some of the uh from the prior conferences that were up at draft i a lot, got a lot of uh, text messages past couple days from uh, agents specifically um but they will be up eventually so so far so good i mean that's that site has got a lot to offer uh, a little bit of uh advice for uh gamblers a lot of fantasy football stuff um so you know so far so good with just the beginning and uh i like it so far thanks for asking
1: and of course and We'll move on to the SEC breakdown here. And if you want to get into more of the details of how many players the conference put into this past April's draft, that can be found in our last episode, episode number 81. So listen into that. If you haven't, it'll also get you through the first half of the teams in alphabetical order for the SEC. And that'll help you also quantify kind of the draft dominance that this conference has been putting forth over the past several years at this point. Now we're going to start this episode in Oxford, Mississippi, home of the Rebels, who haven't finished over 500 since 2015. Despite that, they had six players drafted back in April, four on the first two days, including three pass catchers, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Dawson Knox, the tight end. But that success isn't going to carry over to 2020. Only top 100 grade on our board belongs to defensive tackle Benito Jones. He's a two-year starter. Also made an impact as a true freshman, so he's been a player from the first time he stepped on the field for Old Miss. He's a good enough athlete to make plays in the backfield. Had nine tackles for loss last year, 16 and a half combined over the last two seasons. But he's also nearly 330 pounds at six foot one. He's got the size to play one technique nose tackle. Now his linemate and fellow defensive tackle Josiah Cotney. He's another two-year starter after transferring from junior college. a two-gap defensive end in Old Miss's 3-4 scheme, but he's got defensive tackle size at 6'4", 325. One of the rare defensive linemen to finish top three on his team in tackles, but he's not much of a pass rusher. Leading rusher Scotty Phillips also returns short but thick at 5'8", 210 pounds. Another Juco transfer. Last year, he was sixth in the SEC in rushing yards per game, only had 10 receptions, but the offense should run through him a bit more in 2019 with Brown, Metcalf, Knox, and DeMarcus Lodge all gone from the team. Tony, who intrigues you from what's left at Mississippi?
0: Yeah, and, you know, really since the, that whole Hugh Freeze situation, Hugh, Hugh Freeze, who was uh, forced to resign right before the season two years ago, now at Liberty, I mean, really the uh, the talent has tailed off. Benito Jones is a guy that's been solid. I don't think he he really took his game to the next level as I thought possible. As you said, he's been a good player since he was a freshman. I liked him better in 2017 than I did last year. You know, he's got the build of a nose tackle at 6'1", 325 pounds. He's a, an above-average athlete, but he doesn't show a lot of power in his game. Really didn't show a lot of improvement in his overall game. I grade him right now as a third-rounder. Most scouts have him as a fourth-rounder. Uh, you know, he's got to elevate his game. He's got to show that he he can do more than just get by with the natural quickness. Uh, he's a fundamentally sound guy. He's got to add some power, and he's just got to be more consistent and, and elevate the game. Uh, Alex Gibbons, I think, is a guy who plays left tackle in college. He's going to be a right tackle at the next level. Uh, I've got him graded as a fifth rounder. He's a solid player. He's fundamentally sound. He does a good job using positioning and, and uh, angles to seal defenders. Not the greatest athlete. Doesn't have great lateral blocking range, kind of on the short side With when you look at his arms. Uh, I, I think he's more of a guy that's going to be a last-day pick, a developmental guy that is going to be a backup at the next level. A lot of scouts really like Scotty Phillips. When I say really like him, they think late third or early fourth. I have Scotty Phillips as more of a sixth-round uh, type of prospect. A little bit short. He's a tough little runner but there's no single aspect to his game that really stands out to me that would warrant anything in the top 100 to 125 picks of the way scouts presently grade him. five, eight and a half, 212 pounds, uh, short arms, small hands, you know, a very good college back. I just don't think he, uh, he really, uh, projects all that well to the next level and scouts love Kadir Shepard. I mean, when I say love him, uh, scouts have him graded as a potential third round pick, uh, He's solid. I just don't know where he fits in at the next level. 6'3 half, two hundred fifty 250 pounds. He's going to run in the 4'8". You know, is he a defensive end? Is he an outside linebacker? To me, he's your classic tweener. He's a little bit too small for defensive end. He's a little bit too slow for outside linebacker. Maybe he's a situational pass rusher at the next level. A guy like that, I think you take in the very late rounds.
1: Now, solid seems to be the theme when it comes to Old Miss. And now we'll head on to Starkville, where Mississippi State... Has another theme on their own, and that's defense. Now, the Bulldogs had their three-year bowl win streak snapped with a loss to Iowa in the Outback Bowl. Four of five players drafted for them in April, went in the top 45, three of them, defenders taken in the first round, and that's where the talent lies again, as I said. Although nobody makes our top 100, cornerback Cameron Dantzler was a first-year starter in 2018, great size and length at 6'2". Top 10 in the SEC in passes defended last year, using that length to his advantage. He also added weight this offseason. He's listed at 185. He was 175 pounds last year. So big things are expected from him. He was also ranked as a preseason All-American. Linebacker Erol Thompson is another player entering his second year as a starter, returning leading tackler on the team with 87, also nine tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. He's got good size at 6'1, 250, and an instinctive player. Now, those are two guys in the back seven for Mississippi State. Defensive end Chauncey Rivers anchors the front four. Juco Transfer, who played fewer than 30 snaps per game behind guys like Montez Sweat. He also went to the same high school as Sweat as well, if you're looking for a connection there. Still had seven tackles for loss and two and a half sacks in a rotational role. Has nice size for a 4-3 defensive end at 6'3", 275 pounds. So he'll be fun to watch now in a full-time starting role. Who will you flip on the Bulldogs to watch, Tony?
0: I think the overall theme with the Bulldogs is there's great potential. I mean, scouts have some of these guys rated uh, through the roof. You mentioned Cameron Dansler. I like Dansler, I like his size. I like his upside. I have him graded as a fourth round prospect. There are some scouts who have graded him right now as a mid first rounder. I just don't see it. Do I think that potential is there? Yes. But I think right now he's more of a, Middle round choice. Uh, If he continues to improve his game and progress, he's got the size. He's just going to play at a higher level uh, and really uh, be more consistent. You know, the other guy that scouts really like a lot is Jaquarius Landrews, the safety. 5'11 and a half, 200 pounds, runs and plays in the mid 4'4. He's a junior college transfer. I have him graded as a six rounder. There are some scouts that have him as early as the third round. Uh, But again, I I think with uh, Landrews, it's more of a wait and see type of guy that uh, has really got to transfer those physical skills into football production. Because, you know, at the safety position last year, Mississippi State was stacked, uh, including, uh, you know, Jonathan Abrams, first round pick. Uh, so Eli Andrews really didn't get to see the field all that much. He's going to be the guy this year at safety. If he puts it all together, he could move up draft boards. Chauncey Rivers, again, some scouts have him as a uh, third rounder. Other scouts have him as a fifth rounder. And that's where I have him as a fifth rounder. Solid player, 6'2 half, two hundred seventy three 273 pounds, relatively athletic. I don't think he's a pure edge rusher, not a great pass rusher. But again, a guy who you know, because of how stacked uh, Mississippi State was a year ago throughout their defense, really didn't get that much playing time, but he'll have his opportunity this year. And if he takes advantage of the opportunity, maybe he turns out to be the third rounder that some scouts think he can be.
1: Moving northwest to Missouri now, the Tigers haven't won a bowl game since 2014, despite having a future NFL quarterback the past several years, Andrew Locke. The team's only draft pick in the first six rounds in April was Mr. Locke, They do replace him with Clemson transfer Kelly Bryant, who was benched last year after I think it was four games for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously ended up being the right move for the eventual national champion Tigers. It was the right move for Bryant to leave the team midseason, at least in his opinion, and transfer to Missouri. There has been some recent drama about Clemson head coach Dabo Swinney not giving him a ring. But all that aside, Bryant could have an NFL future like Locke. He's going to be a third-day pick, though. He's not going to be drafted in the second round like Locke was. Tight end Albert Aquavanon, on the other hand, does have second day talent. He didn't enter the 2019 draft. A lot of people thought it was due to a shoulder injury, but there are some other reasons as well. He's a health science major, really motivated in terms of academics. He wants to be a doctor. The one thing that's unknown about Alberto is whether he wants that after a long NFL career, after a short NFL career, after maybe no NFL career. That's all speculation at this point, but he should graduate. This year, in nine games last year before that shoulder injury, had forty-three receptions for four hundred sixty-six yards and six touchdowns, could have ended up pushing four double digit touchdowns like he had in twenty seventeen when he caught eleven passes in the end zone. He's a solid athlete at six foot five, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. So keep an eye on the connection between him and Kelly Bryant, and also watch the connection between Bryant and wide receiver Jonathan Johnson. The team's leading returning receiver, 59 catches for 737 yards and five touchdowns. He's finally the top target for Missouri in terms of the wideouts after playing behind Jamon Moore and Emmanuel Hall the past couple years. Lacks great size at 5'10", 180 pounds. was actually more of a big play threat in 2016 and 2017. So he could get back to that and push for a 1,000-yard season if he maintains his volume from last year. In the end, you're going to want to watch the Tigers' offense this season. Right, Tony? <laughs> that,
0: that's that, that's basically it every year, isn't it? I mean, it's the Tigers' offense that puts up uh, a lot of points, and then the Tigers' defense hopes that they can hold on and hold the opponents to uh, less points. You know, I had broken a story last year, right before the uh, underclassmen deadline that Akwabanan, I'll get as close as I can to correctly pronouncing his name without butchering it. We'll just call him Albert. Uh, What really had academic pursuits, I believe the story is, and I may have to be corrected on this his father's a doctor, and that's the field that he wants to go moving forward. He's a solid tight end, he's a good pass catcher. Uh, He he sent Blanton to the sidelines uh, last year uh, as a backup when when a lot of people thought that Blanton was going to be the starting tight end at Missouri. But Albert played so well, uh, really, from his freshman year. He's a solid pass catcher. But, you know, if you watch Missouri, you talked about their offense. They don't use their their tight ends in a traditional sense. I mean, they basically line them up in the slot. They're almost bigger receivers. You know, the thing with Albert is, is how fast is he? How does he return from his uh, shoulder injury? And as you said, you know – what is his future? What, what is his feeling about his future? Is it in football or is it in medicine? Is it, you know, is it in the health science field or something like that? I have him right now. graded as a third rounder. Some scouts that have graded him have posted an early second round grade on him. I could understand that because he shows that type of ability at the top of his game. I, I think with him, it's going to be a wait and see type of situation with his uh, shoulder and which career path he chooses. Uh, I happen to like Kelly Bryant. I mean, I like Kelly Bryant in 2017 off the Clemson film. I thought he was a solid quarterback. Obviously, he just lost out last year. I think he lost a lot of confidence. I think Trevor Lawrence, obviously, is the next big thing at the quarterback position. Not even going to be draft eligible this year. And Bryant, you know, left, as you all know, midseason. season and uh, is now in Missouri. I, I think the Missouri offense is one that's going to really fit him well. Uh, not only his arm strength, but his ability to scramble, pick up yards with his legs. I have him graded as a six rounder. There are some scouts who grade him as a late round pick, barely draftable. But again, we'll have to wait and see how he uh, how he plays this year. He's got decent size. He's very athletic, big hands. Uh, it, it's just a matter of him getting back to where it was in 2017. Uh, you mentioned the receiver Johnson, a smaller guy, a slot guy, who I think is going to be also a very good return specialist at the next level. You got to also keep an eye on their offensive tackle, Yasir Durant. Terrific size, six, six and a half, three hundred and thirty-five pounds, relatively athletic, long arms, moves well about the field. He's a guy that's got a high upside, but he's got to basically iron out the details of his position. But he's someone who I think really can make a big move up draft boards if he pulls the pieces together because of the size and the flashes that he showed last year.
1: Now, I'll we'll finish the SEC's Final Four teams shortly. But first, please support the draft analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. If you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Trapoti, at Tony Pauline, and at Believe Podcasts to get in touch. Now, South Carolina has three straight bowl appearances, a one and two record in those games, which includes a 28-0 loss last season to Virginia in the Belt Bowl. They had two players drafted last season. One went in the second round, wide receiver Debo Samuel to the San Francisco 49ers. And Debo's former running mate, Brian Edwards, gets some top 45 grades from scouts. He led the Gamecocks in receiving in 2017 when Samuel played just three games due to injury who was seventh in receiving yards per game in the SEC last season, has 119 catches for 1,639 yards and 12 touchdowns over those two seasons. Great size at 6'3", 215, and a third rounder on our board. His 40 time is probably going to determine a lot of his draft stock, similar to many of the other bigger receivers we've discussed throughout these preview podcasts. Throwing to Edwards, his polarizing quarterback, Jake Bentley, his numbers have improved over the past couple seasons outside of his completion percentage, but many have still soured on him as an NFL prospect. We still have not graded as a day two pick, but he's going to have to clean up his decision making. His 14 interceptions last season led the conference by far. There was only one other starting quarterback that had more than nine interceptions thrown. So that's something to watch for with Jake Bentley. Defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw is a two-year starter, six foot six, three 310 pounds. He actually dropped 40 pounds after transferring from junior college in 2017, won something called the Nutrition Award that the Gamecocks gave out. Maybe they just made that up for him. Either way, got himself in shape, took a big step forward last season after his first year at South Carolina, 38 tackles, 10 for loss, led the team with four and a half sacks. He is the highest-ranked Gamecock on our board and the only second-round grade we've given out to the program. Tony, where's your focus in South Carolina this season?
0: Yeah, not only is Kinlaw our highest rated Gamecock, I mean, there are some scouts that grade him almost neck and neck with Raquan Davis of Alabama, you know, his foe in the SEC. Uh, I grade him as a second-round pick. I think he's headed in the right direction. You mentioned the weight loss. You know, you watch him on film. He doesn't play like a guy that's, you know, over 310 pounds. He's quick. He's mobile. He covers a lot of area. He shows a lot of athleticism. He's got long arms. He has some innate power, which I think he has to learn to use on a more consistent basis. Uh, But he's one of those guys, he's one of those big men that if he, you know, shows some power in his game and he takes the next step, I have no doubt that he's going to be a first round pick. I know he gave serious consideration to entering last year's draft. I think he did the best thing by returning, especially when you look at the numbers of defensive linemen that were uh, selected in last year's draft. is a guy that really doesn't get a lot of mention outside of scouting circles, but scouts like him a lot. Some have him greatest, like I said, right with Raquan Davis, a top 15 pick, others think second round. I agree with the second round ranking right now. But there's that upside. I do like Brian Edwards, and I agree with you about the, uh, the 40 time. I think he's going to be faster than most of your bigger receivers. I think with Debo Samuel on to the NFL now, Brian Edwards is going to be the man and he's going to have a lot of opportunity. And if he comes through, he's going to be a top 45 pick. I have him graded as a third rounder, as do a lot of other scouts. There are some scouts who have already stamped him as a top 42 pick. You know, we'll have to wait and see. We have to wait and see how he responds, you know, to being the man at South Carolina with Debo Samuel now. And, and basically, memory serves me correct, he was the man in 2017 when Debo Samuel went down. Uh, I like Jake Bentley. You know, you mentioned the uh, high interception totals. I like his moxie. I like his size. I like his arm strength. I like the way he leads the offense. You're right about the decision-making. I've graded him as a third-round pick. I mean, after his freshman year, people were talking about Bentley as being, you know, the next big-time quarterback prospect from the SEC. He was the real deal. And now some scouts think he's a priority free agent. I just don't think his game has fallen off that much. The one thing you've got to keep an eye on with Bentley, and we're not going to find out about it until the offseason, is hand size. Because somebody I know who's close to the South Carolina program told me Bentley's hands are not nine inches. And if they measure in less than nine inches, that is a major red flag at the quarterback position. The one sleeper to keep an eye on from South Carolina is DJ Wonham. Guy who I believe played only five games last year. But if you go back to the 2017 film, he was a monster pass rusher. 6'5, 250 pounds. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Is he going to be an outside linebacker at the next level? Is he going to be defensive end? I presently right now grade him as a free agent because I want to see how he returns after playing only five games last year. There are some scouts that think one of them could be a top 75 pick. So Number eight uh, on the defensive line or in the defensive front seven for South Carolina, D.J. Warnham is a guy to keep an eye on.
1: Now, Tennessee is a team after nine win seasons in 2015 and 2016. They've had nine wins the past two seasons combined. But there is hope for the Volunteers with Jeremy Pruitt at the helm now heading into year two after years of issues finding people who wanted to coach there. The problem with Tennessee is there's not much in the way of prospects. Edge rusher Daryl Taylor could be a day two pick, though. He's a two-year starter who last year was tied for sixth in the SEC with Quinton Williams with eight sacks. Also had 11 tackles for loss. He's 6'4", 255 pounds. Nice length and good size for a pass rusher standing over tackle. Tackle Trey Smith is the only other draftable prospect on our board Played seven games as a sophomore before blood clots ended his season. He's been the starter at left tackle since he arrived as a true freshman, but he still needs to get cleared by doctors for the 2019 season. So obviously there are some health concerns there with Smith. Speaking of concerns, you have some about Taylor, right, Tony?
0: Yeah, I I think people look at his, uh, his production, and his production numbers are really good, but it's been very streaky. And what do I mean about that? Seven of his eight sacks from last year came in two games. Against Georgia and Kentucky now Georgia had a pretty good off it has a pretty good offensive line they've got one of the top offensive tackle prospects uh, in, in the nation and I, I think seven of his 11 tackles for loss also came in two games against Kentucky and against Vanderbilt so if you watch him again in that Kentucky game he looks like a potential first round pick uh, I, I just think he's a he's a little bit too streaky now he has the measurables teams want for the next level six three and a half 255 pounds He plays in the mid four sixes. I have him graded as a third round pick and that's later than most scouts. The latest I've heard from scouts that have graded him is a mid second rounder. He's got the measurables. I I just want to see more consistent production throughout the season. I I don't like seeing the streakiness of the bulk production. He's got a good amount of upside. He's the type of guy that I would suspect we're going to see at the senior bowl uh, next January if he has a good season and hopefully he's able to stay healthy. He's got a great amount of upside. Um, but, again, want to see him complete his game and, and really uh, be an every-down player and an every-game player. It's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm just going by the stats from last year. You mentioned Trey Smith, you know, a big offensive locker, goes about 6'5", uh, 318 pounds, relatively athletic. He's the type of guy that could make a big move up draft boards because of the position he plays. Seems to be more of a small area guy, but if he puts it together, I could see him coming out of the 2019 season with a middle-round grade. Whether he enters the draft or not remains to be seen.
1: Now, head west here to Texas A&M. The Aggies have made a bowl game every season since they joined the SEC in 2012. Like Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, Jimbo Fisher enters his second year as the head coach at Texas A&M. Seven Aggies were drafted in April. Eric McCoy and Jay Sternberger went in the top 100. But this year's crop is mostly third-day prospects, and they're all going to be on the offensive side of the football. We'll start with quarterback Kellen Mond under center. He returns after throwing 24 touchdowns and rushing for seven more. Better accuracy could help him justify the fifth-round grade he has on our board, but he's also just a third-year junior, so he could end up spending two more years at Texas A&M as well. Now, Sternberger may be gone, but Top wide receivers Courtney Davis and Jamon Osborne return. Both have good size at 6'2". Osborne caught 50 passes as a true freshman. Missed four games last year with a foot injury. Lost 10 pounds this offseason. He's been getting raves during spring practice and camp. He also has chemistry with Kellen They were high school teammates at IMG Academy. Both of these receivers, Osborne and Davis, earned late day three grades from us. But the top two Aggies on our board are guys who are going to be protecting Mond and helping him get the ball to those playmakers this season. And that's tackles Carson Green and Dan Moore Jr. Both are entering their second season as starters along the offensive line. They're each 6'5 or taller with good movement skills. We have Green rated as a fourth-rounder and Moore rated slightly behind him in the fifth round. Tony, are you excited to watch the Aggies offense in 2019?
0: Yeah, I I agree with you about Kellen Mond. I I mean, he's an athletic guy with a big-time arm. But he sprays his throws. I mean, his accuracy, as far as I'm concerned, leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm not talking about statistical accuracy. I'm talking about pass placement. But he's got the upside. If he pulls it together, you know, a guy who is that athletic with that type of arm is going to, go nowhere but uh up draft boards at the quarterback position obviously the top two guys on the board are the two offensive linemen you talked about dan moore may eventually move inside the guard but he's a wide body guy that's got excellent uh, movement skills i like dan moore i'm sorry carson green Uh, he's an agile guy. He's fluid. I I think both of these guys have got a lot of upside potential. They just have to learn to finish their blocks. They got to physically mature, get a little bit stronger, and apply that to the running game. When I was grading them, they were second-year sophomores. Now they're third-year juniors, so I would expect better things from them in 2019 than 2018, and and they were pretty good last season. One last prospect we got to mention from Texas A&M you know, Texas A&M has a history of putting punters and kickers into the draft, and then they go into the league and do good things. Keep an eye on Brandon Mann, who a lot of scouts like. I have him listed as a free agent because I basically I'm very lazy about my kickers and punters in the offseason unless they absolutely blow me away. But Man is the type of guy that if he exceeds expectations, then the expectations are pretty high for him. He's the type of punter that could be an early day three pick and be one of the first kickers or punters selected in the 2020 draft.
1: Now, i will finish off the SEC here at Vanderbilt. And as far as this episode goes, we're almost saving the best for last. The Commodores reached a bowl game two of the past three seasons after a two-year drought. They are the only team on this episode besides South Carolina with multiple day two prospects on our board. All of them are skilled players. Running back Keyshawn Vaughn had the second best rushing total in Vanderbilt history in terms of single season rushing yardage. He was the third leading rusher in the SEC last season, went over 1,200 yards, had 12 touchdowns. He's actually the leading returning rusher in the conference as the other two graduated and went on to the draft. After transferring from Illinois a couple of years ago, he's got good size at 5 foot 10, nearly 220 pounds, only had 13 receptions in 2018, but he made them count. For 170 yards and two scores so he does show the ability to do more as a receiver after the catch with the ball in his hands tight end Jared Pinkney and wide receiver Kalija Lipscomb had over half the team's receptions last season Lipscomb's 87 catches led the conference by two over AJ Brown but he's just six foot one 200 pounds more of a possession receiver Pinkney, though 64 260 pounds really good athlete can stretch the seam and he's a passable blocker easily the top Vanderbilt prospect on our board but also make sure to watch quarterback Riley Neal. We discussed him briefly in our MAC preview several episodes ago. Grad transfer from Ball State, obviously has plenty of weapons to work with here with Vanderbilt. Also a big step up in competition for him as well, going from the MAC to the SEC. Never really put up big numbers with the Cardinals, but there is an opportunity for him here to post a season that could end up getting him drafted. I mentioned a little bit earlier that Texas A&M's offense could be fun. Vandy should be even more so.
0: Yeah, I mean, who would think of it? You know, the Vanderbilt Commodores, who I believe when they got uh, into the uh, bowl games, were doing it based with the records that were 500 or worse based on the the graduation rule. But they should have a good team next year. And as you mentioned, it's going to be led by offense, which is incredibly talented. You start off with Pinckney, and some scouts have Pinckney graded as a mid-first round choice. Others say mid-third round. I have him in the second round, but as you said, six foot four, right at 260 pounds, probably plays in the mid four sevens. He looks imposing on the field. He looks and plays like a big tight end. He wins out for the contested grabs. And he also shows the ability to run away from defenders. As you stated, you know, does a solid job when he's asked to block, but you know what? They need him more as a pass catcher and he's come through for them. He's a guy who could contend be one of the top three tight ends selected in next April's draft if he has uh, the season that's expected Keyshawn Vaughn as you mentioned I mean he's a three down back doesn't have the great height five nine and a half but he's 215 pounds runs and plays in the mid four fours four four five area Uh, he's a guy who can grind it out on the inside he's got the quickness and agility to turn the corner shows the ability to create yardage doesn't shy away from contact I mean he will meet defenders head on Falls forward when tackled, a guy who I don't know that he's going to be a feature runner at the next level, but I can absolutely see him as a rotational back who handles a good amount of carries on Sundays and is used as a pass catcher out of the backfield, as well as a guy who can be a spot starter. Lipscomb, the uh, receiver you mentioned, there are some scouts that think he's a first-round talent. I don't think so because he doesn't have that great size. He doesn't show the uh, second gear. I think he's more of a third receiver at the next level, a guy that you can line up in the flanks, a guy that you can line up in the slot, maybe do some punt returning for you. But he's very good. I mean, he's a good route runner. He's a very polished receiver. I just don't think he's a spectacular athlete or he's the type of athlete at the receiver position that really warrants a top 45 pick when you take into consideration that he's not a really tall or, or, or stout guy. We mentioned Riley Neal. I mean, Riley Neal was a guy that I wrote about two years ago when I watched him as a freshman at Ball State. I knew right then and there he was going to be an NFL prospect. The last two years at Ball State were not as good as 2016 as far as projecting him to the next level. There was some inconsistency. There was some injuries. He didn't have a lot of talent around him. He now moves to Vanderbilt where he's going to have talent to throw to. He's going to have talent to hand the ball off to, but you know what? The talent on the other side of the ball and the defenses that he's facing is going to be a hundred times better than what he ever saw on the Mac. I have him right now graded as a seventh rounder. There are some scouts that have him as a six rounder, six, five and a half, 230 pounds, more of your traditional pocket passer. Got some elusiveness and some ability to scramble away from defenders. But again, I mean, he has an opportunity in the SEC and playing in that Vanderbilt offense that's got terrific talent. They also have a couple of good offensive linemen. Devin Cochran is a fourth year junior at offensive tackle who I like a lot. You know, Neil has an opportunity that he could move up draft boards. And I think when all is said and done, if he really maxes out, we'll see him at the senior ball. Worst case scenario, we'll see him at shrine game practices.
1: And that's it for the 82nd episode of the draft analyst presented by the belief sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us questions on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer on the show. Our next show will take us to the big 12. So stay glued to your podcast feed for that next Thursday and head over to ProFootballNetwork.com where you can find team by team previews from the sec and every other conference around the nation. On behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Crapote. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to
0: the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.